Well, you had asked about, you know, bullies and I, I haven't had a lot of bullies. I think, okay. I think more so it's, it's people that, you know, kind of use humor as a defense mechanism when they're uncomfortable with the situation, you know? Sure. And so I think that's kind of the, I don't think I've had anyone bully me, bully me, you know? Yeah. I would say I haven't really had any bullies either. It's mm. just kind of, I think it's more just terminology of how mm-hmm. people not knowing how to approach the yeah, situation or just like how do I interact with you I'm like just like any other person exactly yeah. just don't like sit on me <laughs> I don't know why people think like oh yeah you could just like lean on my wheelchair or just like hang out use it as an armrest I'm like no I mean if like you're my family mm-hmm. and we're sitting together sure that's fine but yeah. I don't know you like no <laughs> I, I kind of have that issue where people like as soon as they hear that I have a, a vision problem the first thing they feel like they need to do is tell me what's wrong with their eyes you know like they have to tell me how blind they are from a certain distance or that they I have to wear glasses that. you know yeah I think it's just people try to find that common ground mm-hmm. in some way to carry on the conversation and, and anytime someone asks me like oh why are you in a wheelchair they always are like well my brother's sister's dog's mm-hmm. cousin you know has a physical disability Absolutely. and I'm like well thank thanks you for, for sharing. thanks yeah. for sharing <laughs> you know I appreciate you sharing that vulnerability with me just talk to me like an old person. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Free Will with Carton of Milk. I'm your host, Carton Wyckoff, global disability advocate and a wheelchair warrior. This podcast shares stories of people with various disabilities and shines a new light on accessibility topics. Our goal is to knock down barriers so we can roll through life a little easier and build a community to do this together. I encourage you to rate, review, subscribe, and follow this podcast and text me at 470-588-1215 with comments and suggestions. We welcome you on our journey towards equality for all. I have Isaac in the house. Hey, great to be here. I'm excited. Yeah. You're in college, go to Kennesaw, and yes. what what year are you in right now? Uh, I'm a senior right now, a public relations major. I've got just a couple classes left in the summer, and then I'm out of here, which is exciting. I know. Awesome. That's so exciting. What's your ideal job? So my ideal job is I'd, I'd love to do like, um, you know, the Atlanta International Auto Show was here just uh, about a couple of weeks ago, and they've got people from all the different car dealerships or car manufacturers explaining the new cars and and letting the potential customers you know figure out the cars and and scheduling test drives and appointments and stuff like that and that's something that really interests me i've been i've been a car nut ever since i was 13 and so that's that seems like the ideal job for me is just getting to talk to new people and show them around cars and vehicles cool and i think in the elevator you told me you wanted to eventually work for porsche Porsche, yes porsche is an ideal company yeah Nice. Well, if anyone has any hookups with Portia, let's get Isaac a job or yes. an internship or something. Awesome, awesome. Tell yeah. me about you, all your vulnerabilities. I want to <laughs> <Of laughs> hear everything. Um, so I have something called Wagner-Stickler syndrome. It's a genetic syndrome. Um, it can affect your vision, your hearing, your joint, some bone development, some facial growth, just a whole, a whole slew of things. For me, it's mostly impacted my vision. Um, but I do have some joint issues like with my knees and I'm double jointed so I can kind of get a couple of different things in. Would you but, say that's your party trick? <laughs> yes. Do people ever ask time, you yes. that? <laughs> of course. It's a genetic disease and they couldn't diagnose me at first because it wasn't, you know, there was no familial history with it. Um, and then finally, after a couple of surgeries, they decided to diagnose me with uh, Stickler syndrome. And when they did, they actually diagnosed my mom at the same time. Mm so that it would be, a, you know, genetic. They could relate it to someone else. 
So it is genetic. It is, yes. What was that like for you when you first kind of, did you notice symptoms when mm-hmm. you were at a young age? You know, since I was four, I've worn glasses. So what Stickler syndrome does is it causes atraumatic retinal detachments. And so your retina can detach without any, you know, trauma or blunt force or anything like that. It just kind of happens. When it happens at such a young age, it's very hard to notice because, you know, young minds and young ages adapt to stuff like that when they don't know what's going on. Uh, So we actually found out there was an issue. Um, I don't remember which Super Bowl it was, but I was nine years old and they had a um, Sobe, the, you know, the drink company had a 3D commercial and there was a lot of hype in grocery stores to buy the 3D glasses with the products and, and see the commercial in 3D. So when I, I did that and we went home and I put on the 3D glasses and I was watching the commercial, I was like, this is a bust. Like this doesn't Mm. work. This, Mm. you know, this, this 3D doesn't work. And so my mom was, you know, flipping the lenses, the blue and red lenses, trying to make things work. And we just couldn't, for some reason, I just couldn't see it in 3D. I had an eye appointment, just a routine checkup uh, a couple of weeks later. So we waited until then. And when we went and talked to my doctor about that, he looked at my eyes. He said, yeah, your retina is detached. You're going to need emergency surgery. And so that just, we just kind of jumped right into it from there. And how old were you at that time? I was nine. You were nine. Yes. Okay. I mean, were you at an age where you kind of understood those emotions and what were going on? (laughs) What was that like for you? I mean, it was, it was, you know something new I had never even thought would happen. Mm. It really did. It just caught me off guard. And I I don't know. I think it took me a long time to kind of process what was happening. And, you know, I didn't really realize it was this serious until I was, you know, about to get put under for my first surgery. Mm-hmm. And and back when I was nine, it was actually my left eye. The retina in my left eye had detached. And so I had three surgeries when I was nine, one to, to reattach the retina, another one to solve a cataract that had come up from the first surgery. And then a third one to remove uh, an oil that they had put in my eye from the first surgery as well. Mm-hmm. Before I turned 15, before I went to go get my learner's license, uh, the retina in my right eye detached. And it caused a lot more issues this time around. For, um, but I actually ended up having 11 surgeries over the course of seven or eight months. And so up until I was 15, my left eye was actually the one that we considered my bad eye. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't lens correctable. You know, it was just, I think it was 2400 was the, uh, was, was the vision that I had in that eye. But when I turned 15 and all the problems I had started happening with my right eye, um, my left eye over the course of the six or seven months I was having surgeries began to correct itself and heal itself. Mm. So now my right eye is the one with poor vision and my left eye is the one that's actually lens corrected to 2040 now, Mm. which means I can drive. Well, that's great. That's important. I mean, especially as you're still, I mean, you're a young adult and Mm -hmm. you still want to be able to do those things, get a driver's license Mm. and... Is it when you have these surgery? I mean, have you had any surgeries when you've been in college or? No, I've been, okay. I've, I've been lucky enough to not have any more real issues or real, you know, malfunctions with my vision since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just kind of plateaued for now. Okay. Well, um, that's great. But when I was in high school, it, it was pretty difficult. You know, I had to miss a lot of school. When I was nine, I was at a, a Christian school and when I had to be out for classes, I mean, the whole school rallied around me. They had the fundraisers, you oh, know, the bake sales, so everything. I mean, the parents were generous. I had a family give me a Nintendo DS for me to be able to play on while I was in recovery, you know. That's so nice. Another family gave me a, one of the little iPod shuffles, the mm-hmm. tiny ones from back in the day. The power just, of the community. I know, it was really fantastic, amazing. yeah. And so it sounded like people knew what was going mm-hmm. on. But do you think they really understood? Or how how would you describe it to someone who were rallying for mm-hmm. Isaac? It's a difficult question because there is there's a lot of questions when someone figures out that you have a you know an impairment or a disability. Mm-hmm. People don't really know how to handle it. They just know they want to help. 
And I think that's what they did for the most part. They, um, they might not have known how to help accommodate with my, you know, vision per se, like a Nintendo DS might have not, not have been the best option for someone who was about to, you know, not be able to look at screens for a little bit. But, um, they also did a lot as far as, you know, helping financially. Everyone pitched in the bake sales were to raise money to help pay for the hospital bills. People oh, gave wonderful. Longhorns gift cards, all kinds of different gift cards to restaurants to, you know. Stocking up. Yeah, good absolutely. Steak. Good. Absolutely. They're feeding you well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it, speaking about some of those accommodations in school, mm-hmm. what have you had to rely on or what has you found has been really helpful for you? Um, well, when I was in high school and my issues started happening, I got on something called Hospital Homebound. And it's where the school works with you to make sure that you have all the work that you're supposed to be doing in. And you have the accommodations you need to work on it from home. And you can ask questions if you have questions and that kind of thing. I missed half of my freshman year of high school because I was at home. Um, one of my surgeries, I had a, a bubble in my eye where I had to lay on the right side of my face to keep the bubble pinned against one corner of my eye for six months. And so it was kind of hard to do homework and socialize and study when I can't you know, even turn my head. I have to keep it sideways on a pillow for six months. What's the impact of it? Like would the bubble burst or how would that? Well, the bubble was putting pressure on my retina actually. Mm. So it was just, it was putting pressure on it, giving it time to heal before the bubble like eventually dissolved and then went away. Oh, so it was something put in place to help with recovery. Mm. Got it. Okay. And that was surgically placed, I assume. Okay. Do you have any other comments about just the surgeries and what it's been like for you mentally, physically, spiritually, all of the above. It was really hard to process. I, I, I can honestly say once my, my problems with my right eye start having, you know, I had 11 surgeries. When you're that young, it's, it's hard to process and understand everything that's happening. So for me, I really, I just tuned out for most of it. I just kind of shut down for a little bit there. And, and like I had to call my mother before I, you know, came and spoke with you. Cause I didn't remember what all the surgeries I'd had were. I couldn't, I couldn't remember how it happened or what went down. It just kind of, it's all just a bit of a mental block now. Dealing with it now, it's it's definitely gotten a lot easier. I've gotten more accustomed to it. It's not as difficult to um, work through. Obviously, you have more of a, I guess, an invisible disability, mm-hmm. as I would classify it. I mean, you look like a normal dude yes. um, <laughs> um, who wears glasses, mm-hmm. right? So what would you say to someone or what are some of those misconceptions that you faced having an invisible disability. Of course. You know, sometimes it's invisible and sometimes my eye reacts uh, to me, whether I'm reading a book or looking at my phone for too long, staring at a screen, it'll get red, it'll get congested, it'll look, you know, mm-hmm. it'll look a little rough. And um, I think the most common question I get when that happens is everyone wants to come up to me and ask me if I'm high. Mm. You know, so many people <laughs> stop me and they're like, are you, are you high right now? Like I'm in class. No, I'm not, you know. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's just a little problem that I have. And that's a big fear of mine as well is, you know, if I get pulled over while I'm going home, I don't want to have to put up with the hassle that, that could potentially stem from, you know, an officer thinking I was under the influence right? and me having to go through and try and explain that that's not the case. Cause I do, you know, other than that, I look normal. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's hard for people to, you know, kind of buy into what's going on. Do you have a medical ID card or something? I've seen some of those people have them. I do. I have, well, I have a handicap placard that was given because of my uh, depth of field. Um, and it's, I got it actually because I was going to get a parking pass from KSU and they told me that all the parking where I needed it was empty. And I, I can't, I don't want to park in parking decks because uh, with my vision going from drastic uh, dark light to bright light, it, it really hurts and it causes a lot of problems and temporary blindness. 
I didn't want to be parking in parking decks and having to pull out from them and then worry about, you know, losing, you know, losing some, some vision temporarily. So I, you know, I asked what I could do as far as getting parking, maybe not in a deck on campus or, you know, in a teacher's lot, somewhere like that. And they said that was nothing they could do for me. If I wanted that, I just need to go get a handicap placard. And so I did. And it, I mean, it's been tremendous. Um, it does cause some, some issues sometimes, you know, like you said, I don't look like I'm, you know, impaired in any way. So a lot yeah. of people will give me nasty looks or, or make comments when I'm getting out of my car at a handicap spot. Um, I had a gentleman at Costco threaten to quote unquote, put me in my place. Um, wow. and when I didn't seem too phased by it, cause you can't get phased, you can't let stuff like that get to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, he told me he was going to call the cops, you know, have them come out and deal with me. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. And I mean, I faced a little bit of that. So I got my handicap placard mm. when I was still walking in high school. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was, you know, 16 years old and I had a little bit of a gait when walking was a mm -hmm. little bit of a challenge, but I looked pretty normal. And yeah. I faced the exact same thing of people coming up to me and being like, you're not in a wheelchair. And mm -hmm. it's like, just because you're not in a wheelchair doesn't mean that you don't have the right to a handicap Absolutely, parking. Yeah. So I, I actually do want to talk more about um, the parking deck in the darkness to light. That's course, very yeah. interesting. I'm really curious to know mm -hmm. more about those sensitivities that you face and what are some things that people can be aware of when they're planning events or when they're planning designing mm -hmm. architecture or I mean, whatever it is, what is your ideal world look like? <laughs> Natural light would be, would be the ideal world just because it, it, today all the style is bright white lights. And so coming out of a dark parking deck into a building that's nothing but bright white lights shining on it, it is very, you know, difficult for me to get uh, adjusted. Um, there's some issues with the rods and cones in my eyes. So, so light and dark kind of do give me issues. But as far as, you know, event planning and stuff, it's just just have sensitivity to the fact that people have those, you know, needs and maybe just use a little more mellow tone of light. You know, it's mm -hmm. not it's not something too crazy. What about I mean, I'm thinking of things like movie theaters mm -hmm. and, you know, things that go from really dark to really light with with movie theaters. I actually um, normally I have to hold on to someone's arm and have them kind of lead me to the seat rather than I, I can't just go in a movie theater and find my seat. It, mm -hmm. Once I walk into the theater itself, it's I mean, it lights off. I can't see. Do you normally ask a theater attendant or do you ask just a you know, person walking in and normally if I'm going to the movies, it's with a friend and okay. they already know about the issue. So they're, you know, a little bit accommodating. It is, it is always an awkward conversation having to say, Hey, when we go in here, just so you know, I'm going to hold on to you and I'm going to have you like lead us to the seats. Yeah. If you're with your friends, mm -hmm. obviously, hopefully they're understanding they are, yes, for that. Absolutely. So no, this is actually really fascinating to learn more about. I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, how can we get movie theaters and other, I mean, even parking decks, you know, how can we make these easier for everyone? I mean, adequate lighting is definitely important. Um, I think that's something that people have concerns with in parking decks, even without disabilities, you know, keeping a consistent lighting throughout would make it m much easier for people to navigate even without a disability, but especially more so for, for someone with. We're just in my house right now and it's all natural mm -hmm. light pretty much. Yeah. Would you say this would be like your ideal housing situation as well, where I mean, I don't have any lights on. It's <laughs> just a floor to ceiling window. You know, exactly. And I mean, that's, it makes it really easy. You know, there's not a lot of contrast and mm. then that causes issues. 
So having, you know, minimal contrast and natural lighting really does make a big difference. Contrast in terms of lighting, not necessarily mm. color. Yeah, no. Um, color is, is a whole thing in and of itself. When I was younger in high school, I had to have goldenrod papers. All of my assignments had to be put on, on golden paper instead of white because the white would actually reflect too much glare from the, the mm. ceiling lights. Yes. Mm-hmm. I did notice that in elementary school. Mm-hmm. I would say I'm much more aware of those sensitivities nowadays, mm-hmm. just going from dark to bright light. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it hurts my eyes yes, and I yes. have pretty fine mm-hmm. vision. It was, it was funny. There was, um, it was when I was nine and I was out of classes and my mom was trying to help me with homework. We would have to take constant breaks because my eyes would start hurting. I would, you know, I would start being in pain from, from some of my surgeries because my eyes were very sensitive, even if the lack of vision, it was the, they're sensitive just because they've been through so much trauma and then, you know, they've, they've been under three surgeries within three months. And so we would have to take breaks on my homework because my eyes would get so sore. And then I would go and I would sit down and I would hop on that Nintendo DS that they gave me and I would sit there and I would play it and I I would, I would be fine. And my mom always thought that I was just, you know, I was full of it. She thought I wasn't, I wasn't actually serious when I said my eyes hurt from, from doing the homework. But the interesting thing is, is that what caused my eyes so much pain was reading from left to right mm-hmm. and, and having to constantly move my eyes back and forth like that. Mm-hmm. And then when I would go and sit on my Nintendo, the screen moved in front of me rather than my eyes moving. And so it didn't cause the pain that, that the homework did. Huh. And that's actually a pretty common thing now in, um, in accommodations for uh, assistive devices for people with visual impairments is, is a moving screen rather than someone having to move their eyes. Yeah, I'm actually noticing that now because I prefer mm-hmm. closed captioning when I'm watching a video. And you're right, the if it's real-time cart, um, it will scroll up. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you don't have to move your eyes. As much, yeah. Huh, I didn't really think about that until now. What are the other, what are other things that make it easier for vision? Well, honestly, the iPhone coming out made a huge difference for me because that is in and of itself an assistive device that you just carry around with you in your pocket. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't order at fast food restaurants. I couldn't go out to look at eat and and look at menus that are up on a wall. Mm. I can't, I can't read those. So, so now I'm able to just pull my phone out and use my camera to zoom in or take a picture and zoom in on the picture and, and be able to see the menu, which is, which is something, you know, nobody's ever really been able to do before Mm. without thousand dollar assistive devices. Huh? Thinking about menus and glare and screens and yeah, this is, wow, this is a whole nother world mm-hmm. that I'm learning through you <laughs> and opening up my lens to it and thinking about what would you say is one of your top restaurants of having a certain type of menu that you really like? Is there anything out there that's doing it really well? <laughs> Or you were saying they're like, they're all crap. (laughs) Well, I mean, each one's going to have its unique, you know, advantages and disadvantages. I think the biggest pet peeve that I have with menus are the ones that are the menus where you just slide the paper within the plastic and you've got Mm. the reflective plastic over. And I know it's to protect the menu and the paper, but it does. It causes so much glare on it. Anything that's a matte finish helps. Matte finish. Mm. I'm thinking of like Waffle House. (laughs) They usually have, they like wipe down the menus Mm -hmm. because they're glossy. Yes, they're always, everyone laminates their menus and then that causes so much reflection with light Mm -hmm. and so much glare. And so is it a matter of the glare because you can't see or the glare because it's painful or? A little bit of both. Both, okay. Huh. Oh, 
This is like really, this is just really fascinating to learn listening to you. So stickler syndrome, it touches more than just vision. It does, yeah. Hearing loss, Mm -hmm. joint Mm -hmm. pain or joint Um, discomfort? It can kind of stunt joint growth and uh, can cause some discomfort. Like um, for me, when I... When I stand up or sit down, anything that involves bending my knees, my knees kind of sound like Rice Krispie treats, you know, <laughs> they sound like they just crack and pop all the time. And it it does cause pain if I put too much pressure on it. For the most part, it's just, it's degenerative. So things are going to slowly get worse over time. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm just now, once I'm getting to college and I've started working out more, I think I'm starting to notice the joint problems a little bit more. Does the working out help you to build that stamina or do you think it's having a detrimental effect? Throughout high school and, and, and middle school, I wasn't allowed to play any kind of hard contact sports. I wasn't allowed to be very active. A lot of times I was stuck in my house uh, after surgeries. So I, you know, I just ended up reading a lot and, you know, doing a lot of video games and that kind of stuff. And I wasn't very active as a kid. So now that I'm in college and I'm kind of out and a little more, you know, free to do what I want, mm-hmm. I've been a lot more active. And I think that that's made a big difference as far as, you know, mindset and, you know, how I feel physically. I mean, are you in any on-campus community clubs? Um, are you in any campus clubs where they are helping you? or? Um, well, so I'm, I, I am registered with uh, SDS, which is Students with Disability Services mm-hmm. through KSU. And they're the ones who help accommodate me for all of my classes and give me some of those accommodations in college. Like I said, once the iPhone came out, that really cut back the need for a lot of assist- assistive devices. Mm-hmm. So I've more kind of relied on that. But that is, you know, a special privilege that you have to get when you're when you're in college because most people don't want you just sitting on your phones. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, being being allowed to have my phone in class, uh, preferential seating is is a big accommodation that I have. Uh, being able to sit up front if I need to, and, and yeah. the teacher kicking someone else out if they have mm-hmm. to. Um, Extended time on tests. I don't use uh, I don't use scantrons, which are very popular in college. You know the little bubbles yep. that you fill out. Those cause a massive strain on my eyes. Because the the it's just so they're small. so all tiny, the is so small. Yeah, yeah, and they're all really packed together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so spacing is yes. also a key thing. Mm-hmm. Is there a preferred spacing? I I was looking on Word Docs the other day. Um, like 1.5, I would prefer, you know, I'd prefer it to be 1.5 or double space, but font is the most important thing. I think, um, anything over 16 point is what I would prefer. And, and most of my professors that I have on, on campus have been very accommodating with that. And they'll, if we have a test in class, they'll make a custom printout for me. That's a bigger font than the rest. And I'll, instead of bubbling in on a Scantron, like all the other students are doing, I'll, you know, circle it on a test. Huh? Which yes. isn't bad because it makes me look really smart because it, it cuts back a lot of time when you're taking the test, not having to sit there and go back and forth. If you can just circle it down the sheet, I usually finish about five minutes before everyone else. And they all just look at me like I'm crazy when I stand up and go turn it in. <laughs> you got superpowers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and there's also so much margin for error. Yes. Going back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, I just know. Because I, I would do the same thing. I would actually circle it on my paper. And then they were like, you have to transfer it. And I'd be like, no, I circled it on my paper. I just didn't transfer it over correctly. So, yeah. okay. So sitting up front. So would you say distance is a, is yes. a challenge? Yes. Well, What's you know, your depth of field? <laughs> well, so, right? so my right eye right now, after one of the surgeries, they had to take my uh, the lens out of my eye. So right now, my, my right eye is considered something called a fake. It just means it doesn't have a lens. But that takes away just about all of your vision. So in my right eye, I can see, I can see colors, I can see movement and I can see basic shapes, but 
it has ruined my depth perception. Depth perception is kind of one of the biggest issues that I have. Like if someone's handing something to me, chances are I'm going to reach right past it to try and grab it or not reach far enough to try and grab it hmm. and just kind of miss it completely. So like when people try to give you a high five or a fist bump, it's, it always ends up poorly. Yeah. And then do you just kind of make light of it, <laughs> joke about it? How do you usually react in those situations? Um, when you know that it's, when you see that high five being thrown in there and you're like, oh crap. I just, I, you know, I try to, I try to make it happen. I just, mm -hmm. I do what I can to, to make it land. And if it doesn't, then, then yeah, you just kind of have to joke it off. You, know, you got to keep a light humor about stuff like that. Yeah. What are some other humorous things that you do for yourself just to deal with it? Cause I mean, I'm going mm -hmm. through the same thing, you know, sometimes you just got to laugh. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's always kind of been my mother and I saying is, you know, you have, sometimes you just have to kind of laugh to keep from crying, you know? And <laughs> yeah. so, so we've, we've always tried to have a good humor about it and we'll, you know, I'll crack jokes about my vision i don't i don't get too offended by them but yeah you just just trying to keep a constant light heart about it is mm -hmm. kind of the best the best route i've taken it's kind of nice right having your mom going through the same thing uh -huh. is it weird to see i mean how is she progressing is it like a mirror almost <laughs> well so is that a little daunting for she, you she had one retinal detachment in her 30s. Okay. And um, when, when at that time when she went to the eye doctor, he said, you have all the signs and symptoms of uh, sticklers, but you have no familial history, so we can't diagnose you. Other than she she also has poor joints. She's had some knee surgeries in her older age. And, and that's kind of it for her. I've had 14 surgeries total, and I'm not even 21 yet. Right. So it, it is a little bit different. But she does know more than others about the the syndrome and, and what how it affects me. Going through it, it's just been me and her for the most part, you know, dealing with these surgeries. And she was the one to drive me to and from Atlanta every week. She was the one to sit outside my room when I was having surgeries. You know, it was just we kind of knocked that out together. So she she does know how to, you know, talk to me about it and deal with me. Yeah, that's nice to have that support system. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, are there any other community support systems that you have for sticklers? Um, not sticklers in particular. Uh, I have had some incredible uh, specialists that have helped me. You know, the doctors, of course, they're the best of the best. And then in schools, the um, the VI specialists that have helped me, you know, through school and and they'd pull me out either for recess or gym or whatever it was. And they'd help me learn Braille and that kind of thing just to get me prepared, you know, for worst case. And, and so I've, I've had a pretty strong support system that's that's been with me through it. So you know Braille? I do know Braille, yes. Oh, okay. Nice. Does your mom know Braille? Uh, not as well. Okay. She she hasn't taken any official classes or learning courses, but she, she'll have me teach her things and she'll kind of learn along with me sometimes when I'm studying it, that kind of thing. What would you say is the scariest thing for you? Um, thinking about five years from now. Well, that's the thing is I think it's the uncertainty mm -hmm. um, because it is, you know, my it is something that's atraumatic that causes my retinal detachment. So, and it is a degenerative disease. So it is something that can get worse over time. So I think it's just not knowing what could happen. Yeah. You know, I could, I could have my retina detached going down the elevator, leaving here. And I, you know, what, what could I do about it? Right. I mean, yeah, exact same thing for me. I have no idea. That's the thing mm -hmm. with progressive diseases. You mm -hmm. have no idea how they're going to go. And you just take it one day at a time and keep trucking and, absolutely, yeah. you know, make fun when <laughs> things get a little hard. And um, yeah, clearly it, you're, you know how to overcome challenges and obstacles and barriers. And that mm -hmm. makes you such a warrior, different from the pack. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just really nice to meet other people that, 
know what it's like to Absolutely, overcome yeah. those challenges. And everyone's got their own unique story to tell with mm-hmm. this. You know, everyone everyone has different things. You know, you you may speak to someone else on this on this podcast that's completely blind, and their story may be just a hundred times totally different, different than than mine, and and just go a completely different direction. What would you say to the world about fun facts about vision loss or progressive vision loss? It's not a competition. Mm-hmm. I, you, we don't have to express how blind we are once you hear someone else has a you know a visual impairment. <laughs> I, th- I think that's yeah that's been a big thing, and just you know not to focus on it too much. Just like with any with any disability, you know. I want to be treated normally just like everyone else does. It's just sensitivity to the situation and not delving in it too much. So just recapping, thinking about menus and preferred seating and transitioning from dark to light, Mm -hmm. vice versa. Other accommodations that you use or that have helped you? When I was in high school, I used something called a Vizio book and it looks about like a laptop, but it has a massive camera on top. I could use that to flip around to the screen and zoom in on the screen. I could change the tones of it, make it warmer, cooler, mm-hmm. you know, the contrast I could mess around with and, and kind of change. And that was a pretty cool device. I used uh, all kinds of different things when I was, when I was younger, I had little, little globes, little magnifying globes that I would use to dry, read across papers and that kind of thing. Uh, but again, once I've gotten older, iPhone and Apple's accessibility options have, have really helped awesome. tremendously with day-to-day usage. Would you say you prefer to limit your time on a screen? Yeah, I, my eyes definitely get more tired than most. So as soon as it starts getting dry and irritated, I usually have to take a break and, you know, just look around and, and go, you know, look outside at something that's not going to cause a lot of strain. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, just focusing on, on things a bit too much is what causes the strain. So just I have to kind of let my eyes rest in between. And then thinking about your, your future job, mm-hmm. you kind of talked on you want to be was it like a car salesman or more like an engineer tinkering it's, around? It's more in kind of the, I am a public relations major. So it's more kind of in that field with, mm-hmm. you know, sharing new releases, new cars with the community and kind of showing people what's new and what's next. So more so in person mm-hmm, rather than being on a screen of or, course, yes. you know, being somewhere where it's dark. Yes. I'd like to be kind of inside the vehicles with the person. And normally that is vehicle sales. That's kind of the best mm-hmm. way to do that. But the next level up is working with NPR and, and marketing with one of those companies headquartered. And that would be really cool to be in marketing and then creating content mm-hmm. that was Absolutely. accessible for everyone. Absolutely. I think that's kind of what stemmed from it. You know, people always mm-hmm. say you want what you can't have. And and I really started getting into cars when I started getting nervous as to whether or not I'd be able to actually drive. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what started fueling that fire. And and ever since then my passion for cars has grown and you know my my difficulties with my vision has grown, but it's it's all kind of just come around full circle and and I'm looking forward to what it, you know, what else it un- unfolds. Is that your dream car, Porsche? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Porsche fan. I think I think across the board, they've got the best. <laughs> cool. Anything else you want to share? I mean, we can just chat, either one. <laughs> this is really fascinating to learn about yeah, it. I want to talk about Ten-year-old that. self. Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Ten-year-old self. <laughs> um, that's a really difficult question because ten-year-old self, me, had no idea what was to come. 10-year-old self me thought, all right, well, I just got these three surgeries on my left eye out of the way. I was just getting used to, you know, my right eye being my strong eye. And I had no idea that five years later, I would be blind in that eye and, you know, have vision back in my left eye. So, so that was a lot I would probably try and prepare my 10-year-old self for. 
just kind of, I probably would have told him to be more, more involved and more open to the process. Once things started going downhill when I was 15, it hit me really hard. And I mean, that's a, that's a tough age for stuff to get serious. And so I think me just kind of shutting down for that year. I mean, it didn't help anything, obviously, because everything still happened the way it did. And I, I wish I would have been more, you know, involved with the process and more aware of what was going on at the time. But that's not something that you can really change. Cause I just don't think that you're out of brain capacity to really take that mm -hmm. in and understand what that's like. No, no, you're just I'm, not developmentally there. Yeah. Well, and I, I owe, I owe a ton to my mom for, for kind of walking us through that and walking me through that entire process and, and just making sure that I had everything I needed when I wasn't able to, you know, make sure of that. And it's different. It's different now that I'm in college, I've moved out of the house, you know, and, and I kind of have to fend for myself. It's, it's becoming more and more, all right, I've got to be more upfront and honest with the accommodations I need. I have to talk to people if I've got issues. It's not, it's not my mom doing it for me anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember facing the same thing. My mm -hmm. mom is, my, I think your mom and my mom are very similar. Yes. In fact, they're advocates for mm -hmm. their children and do everything to the end of the world to make sure that we're successful. And learning how to like fend for myself and like ask for things yes. was definitely a new challenge. Absolutely. It's, it's really difficult because, you know, I... Having to go up to a professor and tell them like, hey, this is not working for me. Mm -hmm. It's always awkward. And it's always awkward having to go up to them on the first day and say, hey, I'm Isaac and you're going to have to help me out a lot this semester. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it does get difficult trying to learn to, to fend for yourself a little bit more as, as you get older. But not to take it that it's your burden on mm, someone. Exactly, yeah. That... You know, you just need a little bit of extra help. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and not I, all of us are perfect. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and with you know, with my impairments not being terribly noticeable, you know, I try to keep to myself for the most part with them. You know, I don't try to make them a, a big deal unless it's something I'm having an issue with. It's something I just I've kind of always tried to deal with it internally before I take it external and, and make it everyone else's problem. Has dating been okay for you? Um, with a disability, have you had to disclose that at all? Yeah. I mean, it was, if, it, if it's someone worth dating, they're going to be, you know, accommodating of it and they're going right. to be willing to work with you. Um, it, it does cause some issues, you know, just little small stuff, but it's, it's nothing, you know, you can't work past. Right. Um, I'm sure there's some frustrations. The last relationship I was in, I, you know, she became my iPhone when we were at, you know, restaurants and stuff. I was like, all right, what does that say over there? You know, what, what is, what, what is this? Help me out with reading that. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm sure at movie theaters, uh, when there's subtitles, you know, I have to lean over and be like, Hey, what did that last one say? Hmm. How are the regular subtitles? The most recent movie I've watched with, with subtitles was Parasite. You know, the oh, one that just came out. Fabulous movie. Fantastic. And it really wasn't too terrible, you know. The, they they did a good job of making it a large enough font that I could read. Um, I think the biggest issue I had was um, just the movement behind it. Uh, they didn't have like a black block background or anything like that, uh, so it was just it was yellow words on on the screen. And I think if it would have had a, a background behind it, I know it would have taken away a little bit from from what was being filmed, but it would have made a big difference with with being able to read it. So having that contrast. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So when you're adding subtitles or closed captioning, having kind of like that black block. Yes. Or, or yeah. black on yellow, I've heard is okay. Yeah, yellow's, yellow's the easiest on the eyes. Is it? Okay. It is, yeah. Just the goldenrod color. It, it has the least amount of glare, the least amount of, you know, just vibrance really. 
black on yellow while right. still being bright enough for you to you know be able to read it against some a background i'm sure all of our georgia tech fans would love that <laughs> i'm sure yeah <laughs> i've had people ask me you know is there any accommodations that i use while i'm driving hmm. and it's you know most people with visual impairments aren't driving so there's not a lot of accommodations out there for that <laughs> um for me the biggest thing is just having some sort of phone mount so i can have my phone close to me because you know the <laughs> recently when when Georgia did their hands-free law that really kind of messed with me a little bit because I need my phone up close to be able to look at the GPS and then look back at the road and so having to you know have my phone over in the center console kind of made it made it a little bit more difficult to kind of see where I'm supposed to be going and that kind of thing but I've been able to get the you know the right kind of mount that'll let me you know keep it pretty close to my face and be able to see it. What about driving at night and the glare with the red green yellow lights? Mm Mm-hmm. Does when I'm going you? through, when I'm going through a, a, a green light, I can't really see what's on the other side until I'm underneath it. It is very blinding. Uh huh. And then, and then finally, you know, my eyes will adjust, and and hopefully, I know the roads well enough so I don't have to do any corrections. <laughs> yeah, that's a little terrifying. So, as you say, you limit driving at night. I, I try possible. to I try to drive at night as as little as possible. Sure. Um, it's not something that's impossible for me. You know, I I can still navigate. Uh, it gets really tough when it's raining. That's because light reflects on rain so much, and I, I I can lose track of the roads. So if it's if it's raining at night, I definitely stay off the roads. Sure, that's smart. Just mm-hmm. are, is there any type of windshield glass or windshield wiper that you found is better or worse? Not necessarily. I I'm a I do like to have my my front window tinted at least at least you know the top little portion to kind of reduce glare from the sun. Um, but as far as glass now, I don't, I don't think yeah. it's just pretty standard. Yeah. I'm also thinking about, you know, when you go out and it's really bright outside and you're going into a parking lot mm-hmm. or just like an open parking lot mm-hmm. is, and it's a summer day, it's super sunny. Does that glare of all the cars, the silvers? Uh, that doesn't cause as many issues. And especially, you know, when it is sunny out, I do have prescription sunglasses that I wear, yeah. uh, just to kind of keep the, the brightness down. Driving, yeah, my really my big issues when I'm driving during the daytime and like right now, you know, there's not even sun out right now. It's perfect, and so I don't have a lot of issues then. But it, when once it gets down to night, is when is when it starts getting a little bit more difficult. So your ideal city would be something that's not super sunny and not super rainy. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I ideally, um, I don't know that a city's the best the best idea just because there are so many lights everywhere. And and it does that creates so so many you know glare issues with me. It was a big transition. I'm from originally from Rome, Georgia, and you know there's not a lot of street lights in Rome. It's kind of rural, and especially where I lived, it was rural, and it was just you know you relied on your headlights. Mm-hmm. And so moving to college in in Kennesaw and having to adjust with there being a street light every you know 50 feet. And it going from light to dark, it was a big adjustment at first. I had a lot of problems driving in Kennesaw when I first came, but I've, you know, started to adapt with it and then get a little bit better. And I'm sure it would happen if I moved, you know, to a bigger city with more lights. It just would take time. So suburbia, more Mm -hmm. rural land. Yeah. More rural is probably better, which is terrible because I love the city. (laughs) Yeah. You got to make do what you got to do, right? Exactly. Or figure out a way to live life in the city and make those accommodations. Yeah, absolutely. We're working, what I do a lot is working with legislators to mm. make it easier for, mm-hmm. I'm working on a lot of wheelchair stuff right now. Absolutely, so, yeah. You know, how can you make the world a more accessible place? And that 
starts with you, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, raising your voice. <laughs> A, a minor step that would make a huge difference is, you know, restrictions on some of the advertising, you know, some of the signs that they have shining on the road are insanely bright. Um, mm. The Cobb Energy Center, you know, it has its electric screen on 75 and it's at night, it's, you know, gleaming across all, you know, mm. six, seven, eight lanes makes it really difficult to see the, just the, all the bright LEDs and especially in car headlights too. the new LEDs are becoming a, a struggle for me. I've even seen there's a car that has a advertisement digital screen mm -hmm. on top of it. It's it's a moving car mm -hmm. and it's driving and it has this giant digital screen on it. And I'm always thinking like that's a huge distraction. Yes. distraction just yeah. for a regular driver. I've seen those. I've seen those in New York. I took a a trip to New York yeah. and they have a lot of those. And then I didn't drive in New York. Uh, a little nervous to do that, <laughs> but but I can see absolutely how those could be could be an issue. Right, just for the standard driver, even. It, it will exactly, yeah. And then since you know, I do rely heavily on my left eye, you know, because that's where all of my vision is coming from. If something were to be on that side, and then you know, obtruding that vision in that left eye, it's I don't have a right eye to compensate for it, and you know, I can't just close my left eye if something's shining in it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. I'm really glad that you're here, and thank you for opening up your world to me. It's been really fascinating. I, I've been told I have a little bit of a lazy eye in my left eye, but that's about it. So I don't really think about going from dark to light, thinking yeah. about glare and reflection and screen time and different kinds of screens. And so thank you yeah, for educating absolutely. me and thinking about design, marketing, mm -hmm. just being inclusive of everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know, this is, I have talked to maybe two people about my vision problems before, like truly opened up and discussed it with my mom and, and one other person. And I, I feel so honored. Uh, you know, it, it was, it was when I, when I saw you had this podcast, that's why I was so excited to kind of reach out to you and say, I want to, you know, I want to be a part of this. It's because it's, it's important to kind of share that message. You know, I have internalized it for the most part. And, and I think that doesn't help because, because then nothing changes. Right. And so it was, it was important to me to kind of be able to share it a little bit. Well, that's what we're doing, sharing it with the world. Absolutely. It's that's public. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to text me at 470-588-1215. I'd love to hear from you and let me know your thoughts, feedback, and what you want to hear on future episodes. All right. I'll see you all next week. Bye.